Please be seated. Horace, there's a sermon up here and I'm tempted to read it. <laughs> it looks really good. One thing I've learned over the years is when I plan carefully for something, that it's gonna blow up. Um, so I've been ready for this meeting for months. I know what we need to do. I know what I need to do right now. I feel like I've got it. And of course, we've had the week we've had in this country. I'm just trying to go home was among the many things that Tyree Nichols cried out while being beaten, which turned out to be to death by police officers in Memphis. I haven't watched the video, and I hope you won't if you don't have to. Personally, I stopped watching news like that years ago because I couldn't sleep anymore, and I was worried who I might become if I did get so used to watching that kind of violence that I could sleep after watching it. He cried out to his mother, like George Floyd. He ran when stopped, like the guy in our neighborhood that got pulled over also in a traffic stop and was hunted through our yards a few weeks ago. And I guess Mr. Nichols proved in his death that his instinct was right. On the video, it is reported that the police officers shout as though into an audio recorder the things that we hear whenever there is that kind of horrible violence, as though their victim were superhumanly violent, resisting five officers. When the video showed he was lying on the ground, held down and beaten, while the officers performed for the recording the words that would make the violence justified. It is horrific and horrifying. The difference this time is the officers were fired and arrested, thank God. But we know that the law is structured so that it will be difficult to find what they have done illegal, but we hope and we pray. And there seems to be real commitment to getting this right by police and other city leadership in Memphis, thank God. But more importantly, a young man has died, brutally, in the United States of America, again. A young black man going home from work for lunch with his mother after a traffic stop, which upon reviewing a poll camera, a stop for no reason that anyone can ascertain, said their chief of police. And his death has become a spectacle, a reminder of the gaping, festering wound of injustice in our nation. We are here again because we have only ever been here, catching our breath between stories for generations. The NAACP used to hang a sign out of their office window on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan that said, a man was lynched yesterday. The first time that sign was hung was September 8, 1936, to mark the lynching of A.L. McKamey in Dalton, Georgia. The flag continued to be flown at NAACP's national headquarters the day after news of a lynching reached the organization. Six by 10 feet, simple. It had the white text, a man was lynched yesterday against a black background. The organization stopped the practice in 1938 after it was threatened with eviction by their landlords over the flag. Is it the flag or the lynching that is perverse? Is it the beating or is it the protest? The story told or the flailing preacher? I once had a message from a man who said he had listened to my sermons over the years sometimes and now he needed me to do something. It was about an issue like this, an intractable American way of being. And I wondered about that, and I still do. What do we do? 
All of this listening to testifying is a lot. Having the news brought into our beautiful spaces is a lot. And if you have another way to be than those realities, it's a lot, I agree. But here we are with this Bible again, calling upon us to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. This Bible in which our brother Paul proclaims the foolishness of the cross, a convicted and executed man, our Jesus, sentenced to flogging, a crown of thorns upon his head, a brutal, violent death by people allowed to do that to people like him, is the cross that Paul invites us to remember. Remember, he is not a prince or a scolder, not even a priest. He is not respectable. He finds himself in the place of violence, arrested, the place we all do everything we can to avoid. And there the Lord of the universe chooses to be, to take us there, to shine a light on what is wrong in the world that we live in, standing or is it lying on the ground with the most vulnerable. And there, it is there that we are to learn the work of our salvation, Paul writes, our utter vulnerability in this life, our utter reliance on God, our utter connection to one another. Blessed are they, we read today. Blessed are they, Jesus says, probably directly to them, who know things like this are their fate, possibly. They follow him, we hear Jesus, through what he chooses to say to them forever. Some of you might also read this. The Grady Hospital physician Kimberly Manning posts a Twitter account, and she'll do it, she does this almost every day, of an interaction that she has had with a patient. It's called, it's at Grady Doctor, and it's beautiful. They're short and usually self-critical. She's learning something and very humble in how she teaches us, and always poignant. She's a great writer. So here's one from earlier this week. And she does them, which is her patient, and me, or I'll say doctor, is her. So them, this is in a series of five, and this is number four. And this is talking about um, the same incident that we're talking about. The patient says, crazy when the world hates you so much that you start hating yourself too. The doctor says, that's real talk. They say, your neighborhoods, your schools, and even your reflection. The doctor says, but what's the solution? They shake their head quietly and says, I feel scared that there isn't one. The doctor says, no, they say no. And then they say, you know, I ain't even cry this time, which is crazy. I wonder sometimes if we just wired for disappointment. Wired for disappointment. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. It is as if Jesus says, blessed are you is all I have to give. Blessed are they. 
Leo Tolstoy, the 19th century Russian writer, um, writes of exactly the dilemma I think we find ourselves in today. And you might remember his correspondence with Gandhi and how that links to King here in Atlanta. But he wrote in you know, 1899 or so, early 1900s, late 1800s. In his time, the military controlled Russia, the wealthy controlled Russia, and there were, remember, serfs, right? It was a feudal society still. And his novels invite us into that space of the violence that the vast majority in his country were subjected to. Um, and in most of our lives, something very far from us, right? He speaks about the sensibilities of the protected person. And I'd put most of us in that category, but maybe not all of you. Isolated from the greatest injustices of the world. The kind of person who thinks about what they wear and goes to nice parties, often a young person is his protagonist. And he places them up against the brutalities of the life of the poor that kind of leak into their day to day, often by accident. And their sweet, good Christian sensibilities are shocked to their core. I remember myself as a very young adult carrying resurrection, which is also called awakening, which is like all Tolstoy, it's like it's that big, to India as um, on a trip, unironically, not thinking through exactly what I was doing, but clearly wrestling with the same questions, hauled it all over India in my suitcase. It was a mistake, it was very big. <laughs> and it was a perfect narration from the 19th century and 19th century Russia of the world that I was walking into in India in that year, but also in my life. The institution of the church, for them the Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox Church, and its responsibilities and its possibility and its failures and its corruption, and the underside so visible there in that novel, and at that time more hidden in the worlds I lived in, but he also writes about prisons and violence and war, poverty and hunger. It all seems so visible now. And I think I carried that book because I did not know how to ask those questions. Who are we to be? How do we live in this time? Marcus Borg writes it this way, Jesus was not talking about how to be good and how to behave within the framework of a domination system. He was a critic of the system itself. And by domination system, he means all the ways the world is organized that harm people. Paul writes that the cross is foolishness, foolishness, the end of Jesus. It should have meant, right? Jesus among the prisoners and despised, crying out for his mother, for water, afraid, in agony. This is our Christian meditation, so strangely neutralized in our culture that it has sat atop the dungeon and prison as a crown, at the apex of a church, expensive and shiny, I wear it around my neck, the image that should rend our hearts for the prisoner, and if a prisoner, raise us up to God. So to my friend who cannot bear to hear another word like this, I understand that. It's not fun to say them either. But the Christian witness is just that, a witness. It's a legal term like mercy, the story of the victim and the accused, like a novel or a poem or a song, a pointing towards the way of Jesus, which is filled with delight and care, yes, and truth, and very hard truths. Do not be afraid, he says, because this is terrifying and urgent over and over again in the Gospels. Do not be afraid. And for those who feel wired for disappointment, hear the words of Jesus. Blessed are you. 
and to the rest of us, please, with all you have, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God.